Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, John gets a phone call from a football legend and considers taking a year off from New Year's resolutions. Meanwhile, I stifle my crisis and tell the story of the time John and I both catastrophically forgot someone's name. Plus, highlights from this week in history. Today's episode is not sponsored by Fireworks, the best way to celebrate the new year and terrify your pets. But first, a word from our actual sponsor. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. It's a new year, Johnny. It's another new season. I'm talking about that. New year, new you. Mm. Isn't that what people say? How many... How many church series will be launched in the new year that try to use the word new? See, because I can't even do it now. I'm writing that series now. Yeah. And I'm just going, it's, I'm just going to be cliche no matter what I do. I, I, I want to get up as a pastor and just be like, look, guys, time is a construct. <laughs> None of this matters. <laughs> just start there. Yeah. Don't even. You're probably not going to do it. Just be nihilistic year. with it. Don't even. I am very cyclical in my thinking now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just aware that I'm going to lose and gain 20 pounds once, twice, Oh, is that what you've, you've accepted times. it? Yeah, okay. like as long as I always come back down. We should say today that as we record, it is your birthday. Today is my birthday. What a what a yeoman you are. What a, a <sighs> warrior. I'll tell you this what. This guy comes in. You must love the people. I do. I, I just had to be near the listeners today <laughs> on my special day. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm 44 today, Johnny, but I don't feel a day over 43. <sighs> That's such so, a bad joke. Yeah, I, know. I tell it every year. I told someone today, I was like, I'm just telling it for my own sake now. Yeah. Now I don't really expect just saying it from, to say it from all of you. So, well, you made it. 44. Yeah. It's been a heck of a year. 43 was, ooh, it was a tough one. Yeah. I you had found some myself, journeys. Yeah. I found myself extra grateful to be alive. Like, yeah. I did think about this though, and this is not cliche. I told this to my mom. Uh, I, I mean this. I woke up today. I thought 44 years ago, mm-hmm. I did nothing. Right. Like we're celebrating me. Right. Shouldn't we celebrate my mom? Like she did all the work that day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, hey, I'm here. You know, like yeah. I could poop on myself, whatever I wanted to do. I had no responsibilities. Just like now. Just like, <laughs> and we just celebrate. Yeah. I don't know. I think we're celebrating you, the I, wrong thing. I would like to take a minute and celebrate your mom. Okay. So I think she's pretty great. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Mama it, D. Yeah. She, she was so kind telling me all the great things about me and she know. did that oh she's already done that yeah does she do the thing where she calls you like the moment that you were born in in time she calls you that no i don't know time of day know. no we don't do that there we were mm. she does tell the story i think all three kids yeah 
we have the same story in that my she dad, told you that you were the favorite. My, <laughs> in my case, <laughs> I actually, my dad would always, my dad was always working, mm-hmm. and he was often outside working, like on the lawnmowers or whatever. And so he would always say, "Now look, I'm going to get my work clothes on." Yeah. If you're about to go into labor, I need you to tell me now. And mom's like, you know, I can't tell you. It's not like I, I'm not in control. Yeah. Well, look, I just don't want to get all dirty because dad would get nasty, greasy, dirty. And then I could run to the hospital. Right. Every time. Yeah. So he had gone outside and started working for 30 minutes and she went to labor. And he's like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, get cleaned up. Yeah. You know? But it's always that. I think I've heard that story about all three of us because my dad always. It's like, well, we got 10 minutes we could spare. I want to <sighs> go outside and work. Man. So he was the yeoman. He was. That guy. <laughs> Well, you have a Christmas uh, season birthday, the 28th, Yeah, uh, as we film, as we record. Yeah. Uh, the 28th. And uh, how does it feel to be a complete distraction from baby Jesus? It feels terrific. That's it. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I feel I bad for the, like, the Christmas birthday people. It's a, it's a syndrome. It's like middle child syndrome is a thing. You think? Like, it, it, doesn't, do you think it forms something in your personality? Let's get into it. Well, number one, you know you're a Christmas baby if your birthday presents were wrapped in Christmas paper. Uh huh. And they you- cross out Jesus and put John <laughs> or whatever. Mary John. Happy birthday, Jesus. No, if they took your birthday paper, happy birthday, Jesus, it'd be like, yeah, Mary Johnmas. I don't know what they would say. <laughs> Secondly, if your birthday presents were ever under the Christmas tree. So there's a thing oh, you don't expect. Wow. You non birthday babies don't understand this. I remember having birthday presents because, I mean, they're already wrapped. You might as well put them with the rest. Everybody's a birthday baby. You mean non-Christmas birthday what did I babies? Say? Birthday non- baby. You non-birthday babies. What kind of weird world are you living in? <laughs> you, just you know, you test tube people <laughs> who just emerge you from just, the ooze. You just yeah, non-Christmas babies. Sorry. Yeah, but sorry. yeah. So yeah, you had birthday presents under the tree. I never knew this. Yeah, that's like I don't know about this. I don't know. I never. I think I, I did. Was you get a lot of same it. and though, like it was like this is for this is for Christmas and your birthday. You get a lot of those, right, from aunts and uncles. Maybe from aunts and uncles, not ever from your parents. They really wanted your birthday to but be do you, distinct. But do you think that they just divided the amount of presents that you were going to get and said like, okay, let's put birthday <laughs> on two of these, or do you think you literally got extra I think from I your got, other siblings? I don't know. It. We need to get your siblings on. Here. <laughs> Can we compare? Let's have this out. I want to see. I'm going to start. I'm going to start some crap today. <laughs> You know, I, when you're an introvert, yeah, like as an adult, I love the 28th as my birthday okay. because this is the down week of the year for everybody. Yeah, so I just really fly under the radar this week, and you like that? I do. You don't want people to make a big deal when they come. So if you're in a restaurant and somebody's like told the wait staff that yeah. you're, do you don't like that when somebody comes out and uh, sings the if song? It means I get free food. I'm great with it. You'll do that, yeah, but you for, have to put up with free the, ice cream. I'll do anything. You just put up with them, and you can see like their soul is being drained from their body if they have to do this for the thirteenth time that day. Yeah, uh, that's not cool. I don't know. Some restaurants just don't do anything anymore. They just go, we don't do anything. Yeah, sorry. Everybody here had a birthday. This you're, ain't not, a ch- you're not special. Yeah, this ain't a Chuck E. Cheese. We apologize. <laughs> Grow up. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind. I mean, that's the thing. I, I'm more ambiverted, so like. Okay, I don't um, know what that is. That means you're means you you're introvert until you take Ambien. You- <laughs> <laughs> and then you're just you're introverted and extroverted in various yeah. scenarios. Like you're not just one or the other. Oh, John, it's you're like more than ambidextrous, you, sort of on land and water. Right. That's what that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh yeah. So like 
there are times I'm very extroverted. Like yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable in a crowd of people. I'm mm-hmm. comfortable being the life of the party. Like I have that. You know, I feel bad last week. I listened back to the episode and I feel bad about the whole like me saying that I don't think you're perceived as fun. I felt like I went in hard and I didn't mean to. I didn't mean for it to come off like I was saying you were a dud or something. Right. I just meant like I think people perceive you as not an intense person, but a a serious minded person or someone that like. But I thought about it, too, because I thought in if I if you look at our personalities, because we've both been on ministry staff together at different times. And I think I've been almost jealous of you at times because I'm like the fun uncle. (laughs) But. Like if somebody's in crisis, they're going to call John probably. And so there's part of me that goes like when, when it hits the fan, like that's the phone call. That's the real phone call. It's not the like, who's going to put the lampshade on their head and like, whatever, (laughs) who's going to bring the, you got those calls too. I I, I mean, I've gotten a few, uh, but they probably called you first and (laughs) they were like, make them feel better. John's already on another crisis call. (laughs) Let's call. But um, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that that gives proper context to when I say like, John's, if of the two of us, I'm probably the fun one, but John is also fun, but also is like the guy who is like the rock for people. Mm. And uh, that, that makes I me, wouldn't say this if it wasn't your birthday. I'm just trying no, to be a little more, sad. I'm trying to be a little sentimental. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to make fun of it because I think you're being nice. I think um, I've called you before when I was in crisis. I try not to have, I find myself knowing that you deal with a lot of crisis so I try to not have crisis. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How does that Do you work? think there are people like you around, like that around you? Like they go, I'm just not. I don't want to put. Yes. I don't want to be a bother to people. I'm so. So I'll just be like, if somebody goes, "How are you doing?" I assume they want to hear great. Good. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm yeah. doing great. Right. Because nobody ever really wants to know. But I think when you ask me, you really want to know. But at the same time, if I was doing really bad, I would not immediately start our like. If we we're having lunch, I wouldn't be like. <sighs> buckle your safety belts. <laughs> I'm in hell. Like I wouldn't just go I in would like agree that. With that, I know you would, and, and that's you have, what I mean. You've had to. We've I both have, done it for each other. We've shared a lot of trauma See, the over the years. You shouldn't have to feel that way because I don't do that to you. Yeah. Like I drop my crisis on you all the time. You do. You know. So. Maybe that's what it is. I'm just so exhausted from your crises. I'm like, I can't do this to John. <laughs> he can't. I don't want to reciprocate. He's already coming apart at the seams. Uh, <sighs> he can't take this. No, I do. Like I know my mom will do that. Mm-hmm. There are things that she doesn't want to share because she's she's. I'll come home at the end of the day. That's like pride, though, in a way too. And I feel bad about. Like as I say it, I'm going. If I if I was giving advice to someone who just said what I said, I would say, Johnny, that's pride. Yeah. You're trying to be together because you're you're worried about how you're being perceived in a way. Like you, you say, oh, I don't want to be a bother, but the truth is, you want to be perceived as someone who has it all together, even if you don't. Well, I think it's more likely that you actually don't. If you're saying you don't want to add more to your friend, yeah, I think there's something to be said. I think that's that. just something I say. You know, <laughs> I don't really mean. No, that. I don't know. I, I do think that I've been around crisis in my upbringing a lot. You know, we founded my parents founded a uh, housing and care facility for mentally ill folks. So yeah. I was around people with bipolar disorder, schizophrenia schizoaffective disorder, people that heard voices, people that had to like, we'd have what was called mobile crisis unit would yeah. be called. They'd have to go to mental health facilities because they were in crisis. And then there's just the, the crisis of like, how do I feed and care for 30 residents of care facilities that I operate and 24 hour care and raise my family. Hmm. So my parents went through my mom, especially more so than my dad, who was kind of just kind of a there, not there uh, 
I think Steve Taylor had a lyric in his song that said, uh, my dad went AWOL absent without leaving. My dad was kind of an absent without leaving dad. But my mom was more like with it, always like very driven, ministry minded. But crisis all around every day, like just managing, spinning plates. And so maybe that's part of it is that like I I have shell shock from that. And I don't want to be that. I don't want to be someone else's crisis. That's very, very interesting. I don't know. I think that's worth unpacking uh, after this short break. (laughs) Yeah, I think to me the beauty of life is going through crisis together in some ways. Um, You're right, but in the moment it feels really hard. I feel like I want to, I don't know, like it's easy to say like, oh, that's the community is the thing that makes it great. Yeah. But I always am afraid like is – are someone now going to look at me forever through the lens of that crisis that I had five years ago yeah. that they walked with me through? How I, do you how do you shake that? I had that talk with someone the other day that I was like, "Hey, I get it. You've shared and I've shared hard stuff, mm-hmm. and now to be a good friend, every time we see each other, we're going to ask about those things. And if that hasn't gotten any better, there's shame." Mm-hmm. Or there's this feeling of, geez, he's probably thinking, how long is he going to deal with this problem before it gets resolved? Or even if it gets better, you don't want to be the guy who was – we had kids – for here's an, for instance, we've had kids who came through our youth group here. Yeah. And some of them, when they got to be an adult, maybe they were like knuckleheads as youth group kids. Yeah. And then as they became adult and tried to integrate into our adult services yeah. or college group and beyond, they could not shake that perception of them as being a knucklehead youth group kid. And maybe with some of it was in their own mind, and they had to move on to another church, right. or just some of them left the faith altogether. And I, f- I feel some of that where it's like, yeah, you you get almost like a brand put on you when it's a certain kind of crisis. Yeah, it's hard. Um, I found myself in a conversation, sort of counseling in crisis the other day, where terms were being they were they were applying terms to their experience. Yeah, that were very large terms. Yeah. And for that very reason, I was like, you can use that term if that's what it is. I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling you what term to use or not use. There may be other ways to look at your experience because that term does carry with it if you're not careful. Um, it, it could be a really heavy weight that you carry that feels like a brand, like you said. So maybe look at it through this. I'm not trying to tell you it's not that. Yeah. But maybe don't just throw it on there without exploring it with a professional. I think is what I'm saying. Like, don't self-diagnose certain things that are so heavy to carry because you can still then be free and and healed and all those things. Um, But labels are (laughs) – labels are what they are. They stick to you. Mm -hmm. you And then like you said, now you're spending your your time trying to get out. Like I never want to be a guy that becomes addicted to therapy or to – therapeutic tools or to recovery tools there's a there's a whole thing about that people are addicted to recovery yeah um it's better than being addicted to a substance or something else i think but it's almost like look i use these tools all the time but they're not the focus of what i'm doing i use them to get to the focus but you know when you now study it so much you kind of become a student of you know the discipline more than a student of what the discipline accomplishes Right. Within you. Yeah, or getting like almost like a high from 
like being listened to in a way that you wish your spouse would listen to you. Yeah. Like the therapist mm-hmm. is being paid to listen to you, but it still gives you that thing of like, I felt heard. That's why transference happens in these relationships sometimes yeah. where people fall in love with their therapist because they go, he really gets me. It's like, well, yeah, you paid him 80 bucks an hour. He gets you. Right. you know? <laughs> like, well, and I've never met any therapists or counselors who, in theory, I mean, they were number one, probably already gifted at listening. Yeah. You know, and they want to do something good and they, and they have to make a living. Um, but it is, it is hard though to, to, like I was talking to someone today, like I did not get into writing for money. We were talking though about money things related to writing. Yeah. And I was like, I guess I just, I hate this part of it, but also I think this is just what grownups have to do at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, it took me a while to get there. You mean grownups have to demand right. I'm, more and more money. I'm going on things. strike until this podcast raises more money. <laughs> um, you know, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a, I don't like it though. It's never like you don't do it for that, but yeah. you do have to be a good steward. You have to manage, you have to discipline, you know, you have to, um, budget. Right. And look at how things go. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a, a truth to like in therapy or counseling that yes, I am deeply connecting. And yes, you're right. If you have never been heard, then there's no way it can't feel. I'm using this word, yeah, emotionally intimate. You know, like yeah, or just like me. yeah. It's almost like I was watching an interview with Brian Regan, and he was talking on Dan Patrick's show about my. He's probably the best comedian ever. Brian Regan's amazing, but he was talking about when he became a comedian, or when he knew he wanted to do comedy. He had a speech class in college, and he was trying to make his speeches funny to make them more interesting, and he made 27 people in his speech class this low class laugh and he said the teacher was like howling with laughter mm. doubled over and he was just like i just walking back to my dorm from that class i just knew it was like a different feeling than i'd ever yeah it's like i don't feel like this walking back from biology class <laughs> you know and he was just like i'm ch- i've been chasing that feeling and there's something to that yeah you know of like where like you said being heard or making somebody laugh or just like, there's like these little things. It's like these little endorphin rushes that we get that, I don't know. Sometimes it's like, uh, somebody was comparing it one, uh, comparing, uh, I saw an interview where a, a comic who was kind of being cynical about pastors who inject their, uh, sermons with like a joke yeah. to establish contact. Yeah. They were talking about like, what must a pastor, like a pastor is experiencing what a comedian experiences, but it's very, surface level and he was saying it was like synthetic heroin he was like <laughs> it's not the real thing but it's like you're scratching the surface of what yeah. the reason we do what we do yeah that connection and you're you're getting the connection but it it, it is interesting and i think therapy is one of those things like it's such a useful tool but like you said like there's there's limits to it versus your tried and true like relationships that you're trying to make better through the therapy no you need both yeah yeah uh, and and i'm a fan obviously um or make yourself better so that you can be suitable for a relationship. Yeah. And not do damage yourself or whatever. But I think do realize you don't have usually the interpersonal connection with someone who's your counselor. Yeah. That it, it is a safe environment for a reason. That's it's why like, it feels free. Right. Yeah. That in real relationships, you don't get that safety yeah. uh, in terms of they're going to have to depend on you and vice versa. You're going to have conflict that's interpersonal that you don't generally have with a counselor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and that those things do enrich a relationship. Um, yeah, I mean, back to your original, you know, whole conversation about bringing crisis to friends. You know, there there are times I brought crisis to friends that were hard conversations that it didn't work out. Yeah. Um, that I was too much. 
that the fear came true. Right. You know, um, and I think at 44, it, it hurts, but I don't regret it. I don't, I don't regret like, you know what? I, I got to be human too, or what am I talking about? Yeah. All the time. I, I need to be able to try to do this the right way. Um, I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to lie, uh, in terms of not being honest. It sometimes it takes me time to figure out what it is. I'm taking more time these days <laughs> and not just making snap reactive decisions, you know, trying to give myself, I, I used to think I knew what I felt, you know, all the time. Yeah. Cause I'm logical first. And now I'm realizing I don't like when my dad died, I, um, obviously felt it, but it wasn't a surprise. Mm-hmm. We knew he was sick. Um, it was beyond my control and responsibility. These are, these are, I know my therapy sort of triggers. Like if I'm not responsible for something then I take it differently, if it was something I could have avoided or yeah. done something, then it's, it's you know, hard. That tragically was beyond my ability to help. Um, I'd done what I could do, but it was way beyond me. And I, and also the, the, the bigger thing is, is everybody needed me immediately. I'm the pastor in the family. Right. So it's time to plan. It's time to get all the arrangements. It's time to, mm-hmm. you know, comfort. And, and, and I really take comfort in doing that for others. Like, yeah. And staying in motion. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, eventually you have to, it has to hit you. It was a year. Yeah. It was a year later. It was almost like a timer. And it hit, it's not, not like I hadn't processed it, but like, right. I never thought I was one of those guys that the year anniversary or something mattered. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even really thinking about it. I wasn't like looking ahead going, well, here it comes in the calendar. Yeah. Like it's almost like my body knew a year later and I was just like started really dealing. And I still do. Like I started feeling a different kind of sadness mm-hmm. for the loss, you know, that I still carry. Like it's not gone away. It comes and goes, but it's, it's kind of always there at the, you know, below the surface. Um, and I think that's what grief is. I think when something's valuable to you or you love someone, I mean, that's part of it. Something would be wrong if I didn't carry that. Yeah. Uh, don't, you know, I don't want it to be a, a life controlling thing where I don't, you know, and that's not what my dad would want, you know, even, but it's a, it's a, you know, being comfortable going, I don't, I don't necessarily know what I feel in this moment. Like I thought I used to, and my wife really taught me that, like it may take time mm-hmm. and it's okay to take that time and, and let your feelings be different than your intellectual um sort of musings about things because nothing everything doesn't go through the brain so yeah that's tough yeah yeah that's well yeah just the idea of like your intellect isn't enough sometimes to be like oh this is not it's not logical for me to still be thinking this or feeling this sometimes you have to be like yeah but there you're so many parts it doesn't matter you something else is overriding that now i think the greatest freedom people could have that it's freedom for me is being okay with the fact that we're a logical society or so we think we are. Yeah. Uh, that's what the scientific method does. And I, right. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that we can solve a lot of problems and all, yeah. but we really don't know what to, what to do when things don't work out through the formula. Yeah. I mean, the biggest example in my life would be like food. Like if you go, Here's like every diet starts out the same way. Like, here's the information. Did you know that Brussels sprouts are good for you? You're like, yes, we all know that. <laughs> right. All you got to do is cut your sugar and fat intake and you'll lose this many pounds uh-huh. a week. Yes, we know. Right. But it's, I've already eaten the blizzard. Like when I pull by Dairy Queen, 
I know what Dairy Queen will do to me. Yeah. But it's already happened. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, you never know that. Emotionally, you, you've yeah, already. Yeah. But it's, it's like, you ever do that? Like when you know you're about to eat something bad for you and you know it's bad as you're doing it. It's like, it's literally already happened. Yeah. In your mind. Yeah. And you know it's bad. It's like, so this idea that like we can fix ourselves by just being smarter. We have all the information. We have Google in our pocket. We yeah. know everything and we are no better for it. In fact, we're probably dumber and lazier because of that. We actually feel more shame because yeah. we know now yeah. what we're doing to ourselves. Right. Like if they're smoking cigarettes in the 40s. Yeah, you know, you feel bad for those people. Like these poor people didn't know. <laughs> and now people are smoking cigarettes now and yeah. there's no way you can't know. Yeah. It's, but I mean, I think I got blue lights on the end of their weird USB drives like they're from the future. <laughs> like, I don't know what this does to me. I guess we'll find out in 10 years. <laughs> Popcorn lung. That doesn't sound good. All righty. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, the, dis- the knowledge is never enough. No, knowledge is not. Well, the Bible says, you know, uh, knowledge puffs up, mm-hmm. but love edifies, which means, you know what up. else puffs up? A nice blizzard. <laughs> I'm telling you. I feel very puffed up. But but it's almost like knowledge increases the surface area like a balloon, but there's not really anything but air. Man, I'll tell you what. I've already, we're writing your, this is going to be the sermon, right? Oh, I've used that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, they won't remember. No one remembers. No one remembers. (laughs) Guys, I can recycle everything. So are you a resolution guy, though, having talked about all the knowledge and how it doesn't really like. But you're a goals guy, right? You make goals. We call it goals instead of resolutions. Yeah. uh, I don't like resolutions. I, again, it's almost it feels like, like a promise to yourself that you're inevitably going to break. In my 40s, I recognize the rhythms of my body and mind are so intact that I don't need to look at the calendar for them. That like this is the, around early December. This I, feels very new agey. I don't know what you're saying right now. <laughs> I guys, I get, you the, get the rhythms. Of I my... get out the crystals. No, I, I I notice that like I start thinking about mm-hmm. what I want to do differently next year, and I know I'm not going to hit all the targets. Yeah, but if I I start thinking about okay, who who am I? This is, and I've read this in books before. Like you're supposed to reevaluate all of your relationships, which I think is super hardcore, and I wouldn't do it like this. But like a relationship that's toxic or draining or whatever. Oh wow! You and you get, like have to re up, just cut it off, oh, and wow. then like, but you know, basically keep paring down. To I'm that. not taking you into January with yeah, me. Yeah, it's like, geez, a loyalist <laughs> could never do that. It's yeah. like, um, no, Man, I mean, that's tough. I need people. People need me. And we have faults. I mean, this is what relationships yeah. are. But I think you know. What I do look at is the healthier relationships. Um, I do go, okay, I need to be more intentional because they they enrich me. Uh-huh. So how can I be a better friend? You know what? So that's a, hey, you know, we're going to do lunch every other whatever. Or, hey, this community group, guys, can we start doing breakfast and going through this book or whatever? So I start thinking like, yes, I want to reset those things. Uh-huh. Um, of course, physically in January, it's time. It's time. I did tell Laura, though, yesterday, I was like, look, we could just go ahead and call it 2024. Just take another year. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, just, just take a year free. off. You know, uh, we basically did that in 22. Wow. <laughs> but you didn't do it on purpose. Like, what would happen if you literally took a year off on purpose and said, let's just see what we look like in 2024? It would be, it would be a lot of new clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So that's a good goal. Like, we're going to buy some new clothes in 2020. We're going to buy some new clothes. Uh, 2023 is going to be the year of the wardrobe. We won't be able to climb steps, but it's cool. You know what I'm saying? You could take Just a break. take some extra time. Take a break. Take a break. Get an inhaler. Hey, do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. It would um, be interesting if like, you let yourself off the hook and was like, look, we're going to go to as many restaurants as we can this year. That's our new. 
I did goal. let myself off the hook for the last few months. Yeah. Like, ever since. Oh, no, we know. Fall break. Oh, we can tell. <laughs> I'm kidding, John. You look great. 44, Tony, get out of here. It's vest season is all I got to say. Is that what it is? Yeah. Vest season says. When I saw the stage, when I came to church Sunday, there were a lot of vests on stage. <laughs> there was a lot of vests and long sleeves coming out of there. Is that just like the uniform now of a church Andrew, staff person? I know. when it, This is the weather where Andrew's going to wear a vest. Nobody's arms ever get cold. I don't understand the vest. Well, your arms are doing stuff. Yeah. You know, your torso is not. I always feel like I look weird in those. In vests? Yeah. Maybe you haven't. Maybe I haven't. I haven't got tried the right like, one. Yeah. I got to just start. Johnny, it's all about finding the right fit. I think I'm going vest shopping today. <laughs> I'm going to figure it <laughs> out. That old Simpson song, See My Vest? See My Vest. That was great. the spoof of Be Our Guest. Be Our Guest. Oh. It's one of the best musical numbers. Yes. The Simpsons history. And kind of dark. It was. Because it's 101 Dalmatians spoof, so they're like talking about how they make all these. They're going to make the dogs into clothes. clothes. Yeah. And it's Mr. Burns. Yeah. See my vest, see my vest. Made from rare gorilla chest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a long... Like my loafers, former gophers. <laughs> like it's a whole... Very dark. It was very yeah. high production value. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. It was like, yeah. I, I, love, I love absurd yeah. things that took a long time to make. So my... Best friend in comedy, Marty Simpson, uh, he, his brother is actually a composer and has worked on like some Pixar stuff and was a, I can't remember exactly what his, I think he was a story, he participated in the story for that uh, Bad Guys movie that just came oh, out yeah. for DreamWorks. So he's kind of moves in those circles and he wrote a couple of songs that ended up on Simpsons episodes a couple of seasons ago. Wow. And so he's recording or he's voice coaching basically Harry Shearer. As Mr. Burns singing one of his songs, which wow. has got to be just a complete bucket list moment that you never would have even thought of when you were a kid. Because that show's been on long enough that he watched it when he was yeah. in his 20s, probably, or teenagers. What are we, season 33 or Yeah, something? it's crazy. Yeah. So here he is. He's in there in the studio with Harry Shearer as Mr. Burns singing a song that he composed and voice coaching him. And they finish the song. And then they, you know, they shut off the track. Good. We got it. And then Harry Shearer goes... Uh, so um, that was really fun. Uh, what was your name again? And he goes, Alan Simpson. And he goes, Simpson, eh? <laughs> and then it was one of those things where you just squeal because he said Simpson, eh, in yeah. Mr. Burns. And then Alan literally looked at the director and was like, please tell me you were recording. And he goes, no, we weren't. So he didn't get it. He was like, I'd make him do it again. Oh, my gosh. I mean, please, it's just the best. Mr. Burns, would you do it again? <laughs> I mean, that's like one of those moments you can't even script. It's so good. I, I have a... Uh, it's very embarrassing. Yeah. I, I have one of those things. I can't even say it. Why? Because it makes this me a, sound like a th- real this is a, a this, is a safe, this is a safe space, John. This is totally private. Is this about my comedy? No one knows. Listen. So when I wrote uh, <laughs> the book for Mr. Haslam, uh-huh. I had to interview 25 or 30 contributors right. for the back part. And one of those contributors was Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I can't let I'm saying this. And so... You're telling tales out of school. I had to record a call with Peyton Manning. Right. And, like, he opened the call with, Hey, John, this is Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. And I have kept that recording. Have you... <laughs> oh, yeah. And <laughs> so, like, if best. I meet, like, hardcore UT fans, you uh-huh. know, we're just kind of shooting the breeze, Tennessee stuff. I was like, bro. And it's not because it's some name drop bragging uh-huh. thing. It's like, the, like you just said, it's like... Who who in our lives, yeah. as UT fans, could have Peyton Manning's voice 
saying that to you. I was here when that call was happening because oh, right. I had were... come by the church. We had just recorded or something. You go, I got this call to Peyton Manning. We got to be done. And so then that call started and I stayed and I just sat quiet. And he was so funny and cool. He was the, great. The interesting thing he did, which is not a trick. I don't want to say it's a trick, but it's a definitely a uh, Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people thing yeah. that they teach, which is, and he probably was coached this way from childhood on, but he did that thing in a conversation where you repeat the person's name as mm-hmm. you're talking to them. He would tell a story. Now, that was the 97 season. Now, John, I tell you, when we were in the trenches of that se- that was a tough one. I got my, you know, I injured my knee that year, John. And then I was like, yeah. oh, he's, he's doing, it's like a way to keep connecting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was very good at Plus, it. Plus, it's a way to kind of like remind yourself of the person's name. You don't get to your hole in your saying and be like, I've already forgotten this guy's name. Oh, yeah. I was like, what a great little like endearing conversational i don't say it's a trick that, yeah, does, that sounds know, like i'm minimizing it it may not be a hack. he's very it may personable have been just how he was it know? made me go i need to do that more yeah because it's that's like very charming as a pastor like one of the worst things that i do there's many bad things johnny mm-hmm. one of the worst is meeting a new person right and i'm already now i've had to meet a lot of people or say talk to a lot of people and do you do the thing where as they say their name it's gone it's like, gone you go and you are and they tell you and you're literally you don't remember you thought you forgot to listen for that second and you're everywhere like i can tell you where they're from uh-huh what they do they may share like deep dark things like i can tell you everything you tell, about oh yeah them, i bet you can share all their problems except their name like all their so, deep dark sins i've just learned yeah i, mean, I tell you, you want to hear about them i tell, I tell you what that what's-her-name's got some problems. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's good about it, though. You can't gossip in full because I you can't. don't know their name. I don't know who it was. I tell you what, though. They are running Ooh. amok out there. <laughs> Somebody needs to look up. What was their name again? <laughs> I, got, I can't. I got nothing. I told him. What I, an honorable man. I he t- didn't even, he could not tell us. No matter how much we ask. Yeah. Also, I cannot tell the truth. I can't remember. I, I can't remember either one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Um, I just now have I realized though you get a pass if mm-hmm. you're still in the initial conversation. Right. So at the end of it now I just go, "All right." And then I try sometimes. I'm going to try this. <laughs> and usually I can remember one of them. Uh-huh. All right, so Debbie and and he'll be like, "Bob." Oh, okay, got yeah. it. And then and so I was like, okay, I hope there's not going to be a test later and just yeah. kind of play it off like, hey, people struggle. This, I'm not the only one. People right. struggle. But the problem is, is my name's on the website or whatever. Yeah, like, that's the know. thing. People have a – yeah, and I'm on stage telling jokes. So if somebody sees me at the show, then they tell, tell me their name. And then it's like, well, of course I'm going to remember you. You're the, but you're not going to remember little old me. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm one of you people. Of course I remember, and then you can't. You just you just like, feel like I a put heel. My pants on one leg at a time, just like you. <sighs> Tell you what, but when I if put that, my pants on, yeah, I go make gold records. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man, but it is tough. It's that thing. Uh, Regan has a bit about that about how you get to a certain age and someone comes up to you. And they tell you, or you don't know their name, but you know you should, and your mind starts playing a game of Wheel of Fortune with you. You ever heard this bit? <laughs> no. He goes, it's like they're walking up, and as they're walking up with like a drink in their hand, and you see them in a party, and you're like, um, there's a J and a C. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and then you're just like, uh, hey, Jackson, what's going on? Jackson? You know, and then they go, my name's CJ. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, dang it dang it 
But yeah, yeah they, your mind, I don't know. That's Well, I think you do. You get a little bit of a break to a point. And if it's been months, that's right. the thing. I'm in and out of our church sometimes where there's a lot of new people and I'm on the road. So when I come back, I go, oh, this person's greeting me. I've met them before. The, the statute of limitations has passed now. Yeah. I should remember their name and I don't. Mm. And I feel awful. And if I ask now, I've damaged the relationship that's now this burgeoning thing in their yeah. mind. And I'm like, if you st- it's like you set it back. It's like you go back to zero if you don't, don't remember their name now. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, when. Are you forgetting by name now? Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. I text came on the screen. Um, I, uh, the worst is when there were kids in the youth group uh-huh. who were like friends of friends of friends when we were very, Forever. very big, you know, uh, and that's <laughs> the Lord's the Lord of them. And so I'll see him in Walmart or something. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, I'm just, if I'm in Walmart, it's stressful. Right. Like I'm not just, you're not there to be seen and interact right, with. I'm just trying to survive, man. Yes. I mean, have you ever been, bro? Yeah. It's a sea of humanity. Mm-hmm. And if Laura sent me there to get something. Right. Just get in there, get your roach, mo- get your roach motels and get out of there. I, <laughs> I can't find it. John's ever. got a real bad bug problem. I like roach hotels, by the way. Oh, they're so much nicer. What it is, the difference is there's a lobby <laughs> and there's an exercise room on the second That's floor. Good. So you get the free mints and the pillows. Right. The roaches are like, this is kind of, wow. whoa, do you guys have a rewards program. They do. And yeah. there's a check-in desk and a whole yeah. thing. And then they, they still die. Right, either way. But it's a it's an extended stay. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. But like when Laura sends me, I can't find it. Like it doesn't matter what it is. She's like uh-huh. she has every aisle memorized. Right. So that this happened. This was last week. I have to FaceTime her from the aisle and I'm showing her because it's <laughs> apparently there and I just can't see it. This is awful. It's horrible. Yeah. And so if someone walks up to me right then, like, hey, Pastor John. And it's like right. they were a kid I'd recognize. Uh-huh. But you're frazzled. I'm just like, I, I haven't seen him in 20 years. Yeah. You know, I'm like. Trying hey. to access the queue. And then the worst if they go, you don't remember my name, oh, do you? I know. Oh. I put you on the spot. I should be like, well, do you know my middle name? I should be like, do you know my social? I mean, like, I don't know. Come okay. up with something to shame them back. But the worst, you remember the worst ever? You remember the story I'm thinking oh, of? Oh, my gosh, I do. So we're, John and I were, <laughs> John and I were on worship staff, not worship staff, but we were worship we leaders. Were volunteers. At this church in Knoxville. in Knoxville. And it was one of the other worship leaders who was like a lifelong member of this church. And we were, it was her birthday. We were all going to sing happy birthday to her from stage. Huge sanctuary full of people. Sunday morning or Sunday evening service. It might have been Sunday evening service then. And so John's going to lead it off, and he's telling me the chords because I don't know it on guitar. And he's like, "Jeez," <laughs> and we're singing it. Everybody's singing along, and but John's leading. We're leading it into microphones with harmony and everything, like big, obnoxious, yeah, like happy birthday. Like we're right. very, we're being very over very the top. Big. Yeah, and we and I'm thinking, well, when we get to Happy Birthday, dear, John is going to lead this because he remembers her name, <laughs> even though I don't. And John was probably thinking the same thing about me. Well, John will hit the Johnny will hit the melody note. I'll hit the harmony. We're going to nail this. There might be a half second, millisecond pause. We both went happy, happy birthday, birthday, dear. <laughs> it was. And she goes, "You don't, you don't know, know my, my name. name." And it was like all of our worst fears. Yes, were realized. Do you remember what her name is now? No, her name was Angel. 
Okay. And we let her down. Wow. An angel I We're no angels, I'll tell you that. Yeah. How do we lose that? It's a church. How do you forget angel? <laughs> My name's Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was yeah. like, it. we're bad. I still cringe thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I do too. We're bad people. Yeah. Like it's. And we were trying to do something nice. We were using our gifts mm-hmm. to try to be... Oh, we were showing off. To, to, yeah, to, to but, overwhelm our deficiencies as people. And man, did and we... And instead, it just blew up right in her face. That was brutal. And we hurt someone she more did. than we I don't hurt. know if she was really hurt, but she definitely teased us about it for the rest of the our rest of relationship. Of yeah, there. And she should have. Yeah, we deserve it. If she's it. listening today... She should send hate she'd, mail. She'd walk up to us. I remember she'd walk up to us like we'd be at worship practice or whatever. <laughs> and she'd be like, uh, I'd be like, hey, girl. And then she'd go, angel. <laughs> I go, I know now. I was just saying, hey, girl, like. <laughs> and she'd like stop you in a minute. Oh, a- angel is what gosh. you're looking for. Yeah, I was harmonizing and everything on that one. That was, we just lost it. It was awful. Man. Jeez. Guys, I, this is public repentance. It is, and I, I don't know what to tell you, but we, we did. We blew it. You yeah. know who else blew it this weekend? Uh, the Titans? No. Okay. Well, they will. <laughs> uh, Southwest Airlines. Yes. Holy moly. What, what do we even make of that? 1,500 or so, 2,000 canceled flights or something? Yeah. Bananas. And I'm a, you know, I'm a Southwest guy, so I'm a little nervous. I have all my trips coming up. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm back on the road in two weeks, and I'm like... Are they going to have this all sorted out? Yeah. Do I need to start looking at like, because everybody else is so much more expensive. So I've just been south. I'm just ride or die. Even yeah. though it's like Walmart of the skies. I'm like, I don't care. It's easy. My bags fly free. But now I'm like, are we going to make it to these shows? Like, it's mm. nerve wracking to think like, it's, they're blaming some kind of weird computer failure of they didn't know where their crew was. Because that, there's like a tracking. They, there's like a way to track their crew. And it's all about logging in. And if somebody starts like missing dates because they call in it just keeps stacking these and it it just snowballs and so they didn't literally they literally were having like flights have to cancel because a crew didn't show up that the system was showing them is there and you're like whoa can this happen like they're a big company i don't want to pile on because i think southwest is a great company and i love them but man it's scary right like but here's the other part of it Sometimes if you're in air travel, everybody's got their air travel nightmare story of like, we waited on the runway for 45 minutes. Right. And you're telling your story and people are like, oh, this is awful. Nobody cares. But if you're in a snowstorm and you have plans to get home for Christmas, I would just immediately assume like, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. I would not have gone to, I feel like I'm not the kind, now if you're kind of trying to get home because somebody's sick or I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about like, somebody was like, we're going to get away to Florida on our trip because the kids are out of school. Like, wouldn't you just have assumed, like, this is not going to work out? I wouldn't out. have pre-pandemic, but right now, yeah. it, it you know, every time I've tried to fly, it's been delayed Yeah, in the last two years. I just don't part. have, like, a lot of high expectations for air, air travel. I'm always nervous, and I always feel relieved when I get somewhere. I, yeah, I do, too. And I told Laura yesterday, I, I hope it goes back. Like, can it ever recover? Or are we in, like, a pattern now? Or is it going to be... A flight pattern, if you will. We're circling. Mm. Is it going to recover but be way more expensive because of, like, you're paying for that, that solid, you know... No, we've, we upgraded all of our computer systems now we know everybody is that'll be two hundred dollars more per flight right. like is that what's going to happen well i mean i think that it's already expensive mm-hmm. i mean even when it's cheap it's expensive you know what i'm saying yeah 
Watch, watch them be a sponsor now. We'll be. Oh just, my gosh. We'll have to be asked to redact. Yeah, we don't necessarily know. Walk this back. We don't know what's everything happening. that could come across. It's always weird talking ads. about a company, and this happens in my act too, where I had jokes about things like McDonald's or McRibs or whatever. Yeah. And then, or Chick-fil-A. You realize that's why you don't have major corporate sponsors now. Maybe. But it does affect things like when you go to do something like I did Huckabee and I did a couple other things where it's like, these are TV tapings. Yeah. And I kept expecting them to be like, you know, you can't. Because like if you do Fallon or something, they want to know every word you're going to say. And they will. They'll fix it. Like there was a guy, Orny Adams, who had a bit about uh, getting on a bus uh, or getting on the subway. And he looks on this. There's a sign that says like... uh, one out of one out of a hundred people uh, has lupus, and he was like, "I look around. I'm the only one on the bus, or somebody on this bus has lupus." That's what it said. Someone on this bus. He goes, "I look around. I'm the only one on the bus." Well, when he did Letterman, they go, "You can't say lupus. Uh, find another word, another disease that's a little bit less dark." And so they he had to change it to psoriasis, which is just like a skin condition. Yeah, which is that it takes the teeth out of the joke. Yeah, but he had to do it. So I was always afraid, like, I'll go out, like, McRib is one of my favorite jokes that I do. And I was afraid, like, I'll get to do a thing, like, AGT or whatever. And they'll be like, yeah, McDonald's is paying the bills around here. So (laughs) you can't make fun of McRibs. And I'll be like, that's the whole linchpin of my, and I'll be, like, pacing the floor with it and whatever. That's really, I don't know if I would feel that way now because I have other things I would just pivot to. But you do think about that. So anyway, Southwest, we love you. I I hope things get fixed for my own selfish reasons, honestly. But also the people who've been stranded, I do feel bad for. I wasn't trying to say, like, if you've been stranded in the airport, you know, you should have known better than to even, like, pack your bags and go there. It's been a nightmare. But I just do think, like, if there's an ice storm, you should expect delays a little bit. Yeah. I not think the thing not I agree, 80% of flights being canceled, though. The thing I agree with most is the part about you being selfish. Like, out of all that, that was what really resonated with me. I'm going to do better in the um, new year. I'm going to do better this oh, year. Yeah. New year? 2023 is going to be the year of selflessness for me. Oh, my goodness. I did one of those word jumbles where you ever see those when they, they say whatever words you see are your words for the new year. Oh, goodness. I always want to see like if they could just, if they're a real, because like, uh, I always, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fart, like just weird, like nonsense words are what in there. What has to happen to you for fart to be your word for the year? It's my, it's, you know what I'm saying? It is. It's, like, it's the year of the fart this for me. Is... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was very middle school ass. It was. That's okay. Uh, no, I'm down for it. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be a juvenile year we for me. All of our a, new listeners from Life Audio. A sophomoric. <laughs> like, what have we done? A sophomoric year. You know, what are we so worried about being childish for? Yeah. We're supposed to come as little children. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We're too, we're too oh, I'm, I'm, how educated am I? Stop it. Stop it. You're not educated. But I really am not. <laughs> I f- that felt like an accusatory tone, the way you said it. <laughs> Stop it. You're not educated. <laughs> I was speaking to the... Uh, Just in general. Rhetorical, whatever you, you were, we were talking to. <laughs> they a, understood you. We were talking to a person who didn't exist at the time. Johnny, you're the, I told someone this this morning. Yeah. You're the smartest guy I know. So <laughs> I don't, don't, don't want to... I did. I said that. You weren't even around. You didn't even know it. Yeah. But I told somebody that. So I don't want to hear it. Because <sighs> knowledge puffs up. It does. Yeah. <laughs> Something's puffing me up. I will say this. <laughs> Back to the year of the... Okay. I will say this because we're... I do... I think sometimes my intellect... I don't seem as an intellectual person. That makes it sound like I'm puffing myself up for real. But I do think I overthink and I overcoach things. And it's part of... Like, I'm always thinking about 
the implications of something that I'm thinking or something that someone else is not thinking when they do something. Oh yeah. But you know, that's, I'm always like a slippery slope guy. Well, this is going to lead to, I'm always thinking of dominoes in my head falling. And one tweet I read about uh, yesterday was about how, uh, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. It was about how, like what they would call, what they were calling like hit pieces or exposing problems within the church has become its own like cottage industry yeah. in Christian publishing. Like, Interesting. That we don't talk about anything good happening because it's so easier, so much easier to write the hit piece about so and so that fell or so and so that's got a private jet that he bought with his tax exempt status uh, or this you know cult of personality that's happening at this church that's clearly an, a spiritually abusive thing that's happening. And it went on for years and now here's a documentary. And Christians will consume those things yeah. because we see like, Oh, I remember that, or I remember being in a church like that, or I'm glad my church isn't like that. We watch it for totally different reasons, but we will consume that. And it's almost like become a cottage industry of those. And like, and he wasn't saying, should we do it? But he was saying, is it, is the spectrum tilting too far to that where that's become its own thing and we're undermining the gospel as it were. And I was, I'm always falling the more of the side of like, we should expose injustice if the church needs like, uh, a reckoning, yeah, which I think has happened. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and it's happening in this moment of like twenty-four hour news cycle and like yeah. Twitter and people. Uh, victims have a a voice that can that can be amplified now, whereas yeah. they were kind of could be crushed under NDAs and other things before. And um, so it's the same idea that happened with the Catholic Church or whatever. Like we go, well, yeah, the, but you know, it's not all. It's not how it all is. But we still have to fix it. You can't. Just say, we got to protect this institution. Right. But I do think that there is, it's an interesting question. Well, I mean, there's a, I read this from a historian or someone the other day. Um, like, there is a sequence throughout all of history mm-hmm. of a building, 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 reforming, reforming, reforming. Right. Building, reforming, building, reforming. Because there's always, if you're going to have groups of people, it's not even, um, it's not even like just confined to the religious things. Yeah. I think any, even organization, like I know for our organization outside of what we do religiously, structurally, how we all function together as things continue to change, as we develop really systems, those systems eventually become outdated. Yeah. Like they just can't work. What we were doing two years ago may need to be changed. So then we have to reform or readdress it. And so I think like, you look at the reformations throughout the church. I mean, that's just a natural thing. And I think it's really important for those who, who feel I've had these conversations with, with some people lately. Like when you begin to see everything about the church is all bad. Yeah. Which would be easy to see to your point right now, because all you're hearing really is, is the reformers. If, right. if you're outside of the church space, if you're outside of that space and you're just really hearing the criticisms from the outside in, uh, then you could just go, wow. It's very similar to when we used to tell parents before we take kids to South America, like, hey, I know what you're seeing on the news in Bolivia, but if you turn on the news today, if you were in Bolivia and turn on the news in the United States, what yeah. would you see? Right. Every story is a murder. Right. It's, an, it's very alarmist. Right. Yeah. It tells you it tells you the worst that was happening. It doesn't really tell you like what life was really like for right. them. And you know, this is a huge country. And, and I part think, of that's because it what's what sells. Right. And that's the, that's true. Well, yeah, it's I mean, sensational. And it, well, it's not even just what sells. I think it's what's significant. Most significant is going to be probably yeah. the thing that affected people in the most negative way. Yeah. Um, 
but I think that there's a truth to that. Like if you're hearing something in a story, it does not mean all Christians, all churches are having that exact yeah. thing. It may mean that what's being addressed there is in in the cultural milieu of that system to some extent and needs to be uh, watched needs to be limited, needs to have boundaries placed, needs to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. I think we can all learn from it. Right. It doesn't mean that everyone's at that same crisis point yeah. or that leaders in particular are using those systems for abusive ends in the same way that certain yeah. megachurch pastors or certain denominations are doing. Right. Um, I know for us, I mean, when we saw things in denominationally, that there were there was a point where we thought we don't want to be a part of certain denominational things. We don't have to say they're evil. Yeah, we can just say that hey, this is no longer something that we see you changing in a way that we don't align with. Right, and so I think that's okay. Um, but I do think that alarmist culture can cause us to not see what is also good. Right, uh, it's the same thing. And I, and I, I hate stats for these reasons because there's always more stats that can come back. Um, and people use this in defense. I'm not defending the negatives of the church. I'm not. I'm not defending. Hey, yeah. I believe personally, especially when it's a power struggle, that the gospel is an upside down kingdom, and that it's very, very clear, very clear. If you're going to be a leader in the upside down kingdom, right. then you're the first one to wash everybody's feet. You're the right. first one to confess sin. And you have the most responsibility when things go bad, too. Yeah, right. You're, yeah. you're, you're that you should be more broken than the mm-hmm. people that you lead. And if yeah. you're not then it's fine, but you're going to get what the right-side-up kingdom gets all the time. Yeah. Like we're going to have power struggles and other things in the upside-down kingdom. Uh, instead of living, you die, you yeah. know, and in dying, you live. I mean, like, it's 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 not platitude. Like, that's really how right. it all works. And it's daily. You don't ever just get there. Like, it's, it's one day you screw it up, and the next day you, you repent. And so, but when you have a, I believe, a system of repentance, mm-hmm. I think it's less likely that it sets up in some way that can do greater damage would be the hope but i still think damage happens i mean you're you're human in that respect yeah. and situations are hard um but i i do think and someone gave that stat the other day about um like something like 75 percent of charitable donations in the country over the course of the whole year were made you know right from faith-based faith-based places yeah. like there's a lot of yeah. good it, it, a lot of poor people being fed uh, a lot of orphans being housed, a lot of orphans being adopted, you know, a lot of families being served. Right. And, and there's also a lot of things that aren't great, but it's like we said in some episode recently, to be someone who only sees the negative may feel like realism, mm-hmm. but it cannot be accurate. Like, I mean, from a purely right. uh, just looking at the data, like just evaluating data, Nothing is all bad or all good. Like right. it's, it's just not. I mean, besides Nazism, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you get to super extremes, maybe. Um, but in in most places, like, hey, right. to get a few, you want a full view of it, which means taking in the good too. Yeah, and usually what we need to, what we've done wrongly about that is in the past is we had only a good view, and so everything right. like so that's NDA or we and use cover the, ups. or we use the good. Yeah, we use the good that we do to like cover up for. Well, yes, but we're doing so much. Right. You did some abuse thing, and you'd be like, but he did so much. Think about how many people he brought into the kingdom. You're like, yeah, but there was horrible atrocities being committed, and then this does this not undo this and a lot of people's minds? How much damage did he do? Yeah. So like that's the thing is like I don't love the idea I do don't I don't love the idea of it becoming a cottage industry of like let's write hit pieces on the church but I also don't love what we've had for the last 30 40 years which is like almost like 
uh, a press secretary mindset of like, let's give them all the high points of everything that we're doing so they don't ask us the hard question on yeah. this. And it's like you're just dancing up there. You know, yeah. like you're the press secretary for the president. You're just trying to be like, duh, 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 duh. you're spinning plates. Like people see through that. Yeah, I feel more. Um, whereas it's good. It's good to be small. I'll say that. Yeah. It's good to not be important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there are a lot of benefits to it. I feel like you're talking about the podcast now. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> it hurts. Yikes. But I mean, it, it. I also feel though that it is my responsibility now as a leader to certainly with some nomenclature like. Hey, some ways that we're going to say things, I don't want to be politically correct, but I need to be aware of the culture that I'm in, you know, and not invite undue offense Mm -hmm. because uh, who was it? Was it Rich Velotis maybe or someone the other day posted like it is a, it might've been Justin Gibney. It is an amazing tactic of Christians to think that somehow hating the people they're supposed to be reaching could be a methodology for accomplishing their goals. Right. Like I'm supposed to reach the world. You know how I'm going to do that? I'm going to hate everyone who's just, right. who's not like me. Um, and then we can just, we could just sum that up as political correctness. We're just what? being politically correct. And so, you know, it's okay. Like, yeah, morality becoming more important than people. Right. Uh, and, and not understanding that is the love of Christ that changes morality. Yeah. It's what changes a heart. And right. so you can't have both. You can't hate like that. It's that whole love, the sin, Nur, <laughs> hate the sin. Yeah, right. That's a that's a very slippery slope. Because as you always say, if you say you want to love love the sinner and hate the sin, you always mean right somebody else's else sin. sin. Yeah, right. start with your own. How about hating your own sin for a minute? Yeah. Well, and it's like tribalism in general will always lead to compromise because you start making excuses for the guy that's in your tribe that screwed up. Right. But the other guy just wants to burn the country down for the sheer joy of it. But your guy's just a misunderstood right. genius. So he's, no, he makes he's some playing, mistakes. He's playing chess, not checkers, when he does the dumb thing. This other guy's an idiot. And it's like you're making excuses because of tribalism, and it never works. It, it, it's always like it gives you blind spots. Like you said, you, you only see the bad in others and not the bad in yourself. We need to like see everything, see the whole picture. Yeah, I was talking with someone this week about they, they were in a – um, a relational dynamic in which, you know, they don't give themselves a lot of grace. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a very pull yourself up. And I think a lot of us, you know, experienced people, especially in, in previous generations, my family is very like, hey, you know, you can come with whatever you're dealing with. And we were allowed to talk about those things. But a lot of organizations were not that way. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is all on you. But the problem is, is the moment's coming when you need the grace. Yeah. And if it's been now sort of a like it's coming for for everyone for all of us, and the the system you make and it's what propaganda said you know most people don't notice the system until it turns on them, mm-hmm. and I know I don't mean that politically, but like the value system that you embrace will be the value system by which you are evaluated. Eventually, it'll come to you. Yeah, and that's why you have pastoral cover ups of things like uh, the, the 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 guys who are screaming the hardest about right. family and, values. And it could be their issue, right? And it's their issue. Yeah. And, but, they and, protest too much and sometimes the, from the pulpit, right? And here's the deal, and I'm saying this <coughs> very delicately, I'm trying to, gingerly, Johnny. Yeah. Them having that issue is probably not the biggest issue. Right. Because if, if that issue would have been able to have been worked out, 
mm-hmm. before it became a life controlling or an abusive issue towards others. Right. When it was more of a problem in their minds, when it was more of a sinful urge, if you want to say all those things. I mean, to be tempted is not a sin. It's very clear in scripture. Yeah. But when you're tempted, like yeah. that's when you're supposed to be able, like instead of it being a place of, I have to define morality by this very black and white mm-hmm. dividing line. Yeah. And now that I'm on one side of it. Right. And I'm the good guy and they're the bad guys. And then when you go, oh, there's some bad in me, but I can't admit it because I've already come down as this hardliner. I come down on myself then. Yeah. Which is what Jesus said. Like, the judgment with which you judge others is the way you're going to be judged. Yeah. And that's, I don't, that's, I think that's less of an eternal statement. I mean, we want to make that all about the great white throne judgment of Christ or the judgment seat of Christ, or one of those two judgments, Johnny, yeah. eschatologically. Yeah. But, but it, it's actually a principle for living mm-hmm. as well. I, mean, I don't know what it means for the future, but I know what it means for now, yeah. that the very thing uh, that you do will be now, eventually it will come around to you. And so if you build a place where forgiveness and authenticity like if if the value system is, hey, I expect there to be sin. That's why I need a savior. Mm-hmm. I expect to struggle. That's why I need Jesus. I expect to let people down. That's why I need confession. Right. I need to be. I expect to to show brokenness because I actually am. Right. I'm not having to manufacture it. Like this is what I really am. Well, then, you know, honestly, there's really not a crisis that can come that can dominate you. Like. You're already yeah. in that place. Imagine well, that, that grace that could have been given. Well, know? and that's the hard part too. And you have a pastor who's like the the cult of personality pastor that like makes himself into I'm the oracle. I don't have this special relationship with God that you could never have. That's the hard part about that is you're setting yourself up to fail. You know, yeah. from the get go, because like you, it's not real. That can't be real. Like it's the priesthood of the believer. That's what I think. That's what's great about you. No one ever looks at you and is like. John's got it together. No one has ever thought that, and that's the best part. It's great. Happy birthday, buddy. Hey, thanks, man. I think, yeah, this is the best. The, the, the thing is, like, I love that uh, we got super dark today for people. We uh, we went some places. We didn't do talk about then. You want to do it real quick before we go? I mean, can you do it fast? <sighs> John. <clears throat> uh, guys, let's here's... Keep, let's keep the music. Let's go This Week in History, a little segment we like to call Talk About Then. Some interesting things. Uh, Amelia Earhart mm. takes her first airplane flight, John, December 28th, 1920. Your birthday, 1920. Do you know wow. that? Amelia Earhart? Well, it was right after Christmas. Never to be seen again. Her uh, airplane was wrapped under the tree. So Yeah. Uh, that was dark. She <laughs> took her first. Well, we don't know where. where wait, wait, this was her last flight? She Hold on. No, no. This was her it first flight. It was her first flight. flight. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. I wasn't talking about the one that. Oh, she, you're saying she. You weren't saying like her plane. <laughs> That's correct. Right, yeah, because no. they never found the plane, did they? That's right. Well, she just vanished. Thought they might have found it uh, on a satellite photo. I saw the other. Really? It's one of those shows. The other Interesting. Day. Okay. Yeah, but no, I was not speaking of that flight. So, Gosh. so well, her first flight. Yeah, nineteen twenty. Uh, didn't say how old she was. She the experience. Yeah, she took her first airplane flight, not as a pilot. The experience made her determined to become an aviator. Wow. And she began taking flying lessons a few weeks later. Um. Rest in peace. Maybe she's still here. We don't know. We don't know what happened to Amelia Earhart. You know, maybe she's a listener. She's I mean, a, that would be a stretch. First That's flight in 1920. 1920. She'd, she'd be up there. She'd be. It's yeah. not without. No, it's, it, it could it's, be a Christmas it, it miracle. Could be fraught with. For sure. Yeah. 
Uh, let's see, John. What else? Oh, did you know that you share a birthday with Denzel Washington? Wow. Yeah. You know, and the comparisons to, don't stop there, do they? They do. Okay. I was trying to think, if is there a Hollywood actor or celebrity that's universally beloved? And I could not, because we talked about Tom Hanks one time as that guy, but Tom Hanks is like wrapped up in these QAnon people. They can, they're, they can, they're convinced that he's got some dark thing yeah. with him. But Denzel, pretty, he's the guy, right? People don't dislike Denzel. I don't know. Do you know anybody that dislikes Denzel? I feel like, wasn't Denzel If pretty, they did, you go, we couldn't be friends, so I don't know those wasn't people. Wasn't he pretty outspoken about his faith at one point? Yeah. He may have gotten some criticism from that. Maybe. But I think, I don't know, I just, I've, never re- I've never read a bad thing about Denzel that I can remember. Uh, so uh, I mean, again. Shout out to you, yeah, Denzel. Thank you. The first uh, scripted interracial kiss on the Star Trek episode, Plato's Stepchildren, uh, was between Lieutenant Uhura and... William Shatner's Captain Kirk, and uh, she was born December twenty eighth. Nichelle Nichols, oh, okay, Lieutenant Uhura. Oh, I did not know that was the first interracial kiss, though. I did not either on television, but evidently it was first scripted, uh, and it was nineteen sixty seven. Wow. So, do you know the first? Uh, by the way, this is a little trivia for you. Do you know the first uh, husband and wife? on a television show that were in the same bed because you know they had the separate beds for so long. Do you know what show that was? Was it Leave It to Beaver? No. Oh no, no. They were they were twin bed. Um, I do know this. Yeah, I can't get it. There. Uh, here's here's the thing. There's who people think it was, and then there's who it actually was. People think it was the Bradys. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which was a, a show that was in uh, Technicolor. It was a color show, but not. It was not. It was the Munsters. Really? Yeah. Wow. The Munsters slept in the same bed. Look at so, that. Lily and Herman. Wow. They were. They had it going on. They didn't it have is. the twin beds. Yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, so that was. A, <laughs> this is important. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You also share a birthday with President Woodrow Wilson, John. Wow. Not gonna lie, he's not my favorite president. Yeah. Um, That's upsetting. Well, no, he's not one of my favorites either. Woodrow uh, Wilson was. Uh, he was a, an intellectual elitist. He was the president, I believe, of Princeton College before. Maybe, he was. Was that true? He was the president of Princeton College in 1901. Boom. He had a, I didn't know this, he had a paralyzing stroke in 1919 while uh-huh. still in office. Some claim it was his wife who actually ran the government for the remainder of his term. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. Well, it might have been a year and a half, but. Yeah, he was very like a shell of a man, they think, during that time. But, you know, the president was so guarded. Yeah. That. It was an institution. It was not the, the making, office. It's was not the daily most, press conferences mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. Couldn't happen now. It's twenty four hour press cycle and Twitter and everything. But yeah. back then, do you, do you think Laura could run things if that was to happen to you? Um, I think Laura would be the president. She, I think she. I think <laughs> she this, is. I think she is running things. <laughs> if if in this scenario, it would be her that was elected. She's in your left ear right now. Isn't she? She's telling, telling you what me. To, yeah, she's telling everything. <laughs> he knows. He sees. <laughs> yeah, she's. <laughs> <laughs> we talk shut of, it down when we <laughs> get out of town the, oh, yeah this honestly when we talk about yeah someone in the family running for office i mean it has to be her oh yeah i mean she's right absolutely perfect yeah. for it but, yeah she's got it she's smart but right now she has a real job so that we can afford things so yeah if i would politics doesn't pay as much as you might think although you get the lobbyists you get all that you get all that weird lobbyist money that you're not supposed to talk about oh you mean so I don't, it's like the 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 what is it called? Uh, what kickbacks. Is it? Kickbacks, and you just get the. Ugh, it's not good. And your kickback will lead to your setback. Mm. Well, then they have your 
in the bills they put pork in there, which is a bunch of extra stuff, right? Oh, I thought it was like they call it pork. Yeah, no, they do call it pork. Which I don't know how did that. What did that happen? Where did that come from, and John? Pork, pork barrel spending is okay. what it's called. Pork barrel spending. Yeah, um, but it's not pork. Is it like you could? If somebody bribed me with pork, I think I could be you know, like, I'm down for this. Yeah, and they're gonna have to throw it away anyway. Yeah, you can't. Once you've handed it over the counter, you, you can't give it back to them. So you're telling me you voted this way because someone gave you a ham sandwich? Is that what you're saying, Senator? I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> then he loudly belched and was excused from the chambers. <laughs> Is, oh, that's great. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So that's this week in history uh, for this week, John. And uh, Wow. It, but you, I, I, Denzel, buddy. That's hey, man. Oscar winner. Denzel and I go way back. You've never looked before to see who you share a birthday with? You know, I have not, actually. Um, no, that's a pretty good one. Denzel and Woodrow Wilson, those are some, that's some strange bedfellows there. Yeah. Woodrow, again, my problem with Woodrow is he he previewed a movie in the White House called, oh, right. called Birth of a Nation. That's right. That like was the most very, racist yeah, thing ever. A very, very racist film. But you got to realize that KKK was having a huge resurgence yeah. During the late teens. Yeah, as a political 20s. movement. Yeah. Yeah, like during the... That'll never happen again. Oh. <sighs> I was hoping. My, please, no. Have I told you, and again, we have to go, but I was driving to West Tennessee this week, um, and it gets me that there is a Nathan Bedford Forest State Park yeah. in Tennessee, Yeah, and it's near Fort Pillow. Which is where he committed the atrocities. Where he committed the most of his, I mean, and Isn't I don't crazy? know, I, I got to look up the history of that. But That's that, some tone deaf stuff right there. Come I don't, on, Tennessee. I don't think that that could be most likely a, uh, a coincidence. But, I'm going to uh, say something. I'm going to get a, we're going to get a letter writing campaign. Again, because I'm going to guarantee that that park wasn't named until the 20th century. Yeah. I, I would guess. Yeah. So you're talking 50 years-ish. Post, right, we had time to go. Forward. Let's not celebrate this. Yeah, and, and we, forgive me. Maybe, maybe it was. Could have been eighteen nineties, but it couldn't have been earlier than that, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's disheartening, guys. Hey, we we hope that this has not been disheartening for you, though. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday to John. Dear. Oh, oh well, that you've enjoyed our time together, and uh, you know, there's a lot of other things you could listen to related to this podcast. Oh, I thought you were going to say like we, we know you guys one. go somewhere. Start else. listening to those things, please. <laughs> Uh, where would they go, Johnny, if they wanted Talk to hear more? Talk about that com, <laughs> mm. And those are so many archived episodes, and uh, and uh, that's been fun. We have uh, so many cool things coming for you, and we've got uh, the new partnership with Life Audio has been cool. They've been great. The transition has been good, and uh, we're grateful for them. And uh, so, and they have a bunch of other podcasts, too, that you may hear us kind of cross-promote. Yeah, you can go to lifeaudio.com and find dozens of other really cool podcasts. So you should go check it out about all kinds of things. That's a lot. Uh, do that, please. Yeah. And go to John's uh, Amazon. Search for John's books on Amazon. 23,000 books John's written. My goodness. Very important. Very busy. Make it a birthday present to him to go buy a book of his and leave a review. Wouldn't that be terrific? Wouldn't that be the happiest birthday it of all? It needs to be a good review. Oh. Because uh, that'd be a bad present. I've I got need, a lot of those. I need before. to go back and amend my review. So, yeah. I'd like to make... <laughs> an additional statement? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that last guy was. Oh my I think goodness. the book's fine. It'll even out. It'll put the three star once I'm done. <laughs> That's right. That's fine. 
Yeah. Usually the podcast, a five-star review, though. You should go check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps other people find the podcast. Uh, my website's johnnyw.com, J-O-N-N-I-E. You can mm-hmm. find new tour dates, which yeah. I'm all over the place in 2023. Yeah. I'm very excited about the new year. Yeah. New year, new me. Oh, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Go check them out. If you've never been to a Johnny show, guys, it is a treat. It is so much fun. So, Hey, hope you had fun with us as well today. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. The content we feed our minds will eventually show up in our lives. If we feed our minds the lies and confusion of this world, our lives will begin to reflect worldliness. But if we feed our minds the truth of the gospel, our lives will start to reflect the heart and character of Jesus. I'm John Stonge, and each week I host the Dwell on These Things podcast, where we take a deep look at the Word of God and learn what it means to apply it to our lives. We don't skip difficult passages, and we don't gloss over the truth. If you're looking for a show that will put your mind in a better place and help you understand God's Word with more clarity, you can listen to the Dwell on These Things podcast at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.